This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back on another wild and crazy Rugby Sevens weekend in our city. That's what most of the racket downtown is all about these days. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson returns to our show with a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate and some thoughts on the impact on house prices of this week's money announcements from Ottawa. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. For years, Canadian cell phone plan prices have been among the highest in the world. In 2016, the CRTC told us our phone rates are much higher than most industrialized countries like the UK, the US, Australia, France, and others. They also commissioned a poll this January and found over half of us are unhappy with our cell phone providers. And the biggest beefs were the cost of data and data overage fees on top of that. No surprise Thursday then when the innovation minister put our big three, Rogers, Bell, and tell us on notice, saying they will get two years to slash their prices by 25% or face the consequences. The government will be changing from yearly to quarterly tracking of pricing to better track the price drops required uh, for plans offering between two and six gigs of data. He also said the big three, if they don't slash their prices, the government will, quote, take action with other regulatory tools to further increase competition and help reduce prices, close quote. One of those tools could be to restrict the big three's access to future spectrum auctions that they'll need in order to expand their networks and forcing them to let smaller providers piggyback on their networks. Back to that poll for a moment, too. Only 15% in January said we get good value for money from the provider. Clearly, something's got to give. We'll watch this one closely. Toyota said Wednesday it is now recalling 3.2 million vehicles worldwide to address a fuel pump issue that could result in engines stalling. And Toyota, we told you about this in January, too. Toyota first said in January it would recall 700,000 U.S. vehicles with a fuel pump issue that may stop operating and lead to stalling of the engine. Dealers will replace the fuel pumps with new ones. Toyota said the recall now covers 1.8 million U.S. Toyota and Lexus vehicles and another 158,000 here in Canada, including older vehicles from as far back as the 2013 model year. And more than one million vehicles that it announced in January. Toyota told the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration it's been aware of dozens of field reports and over 2,500 warranty claims relating to fuel pump failures in vehicles initially recalled. Owners have complained of rough engine running, engine not starting, and loss of power while driving at low speeds. And Toyota says the reports occurred more commonly in areas of the southern United States with warmer climates. Oh, more troubles in the cannabis patch again this week. This time it was Canopy Growth confirming its plans to plans rather to close its BC facilities in Delta and Aldergrove, resulting in the loss of 500 jobs. In addition, the company no longer plans to bring a third greenhouse online in Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario. The moves are part of the company's effort to connect supply and demand while improving production efficiencies over time. The Delta and Aldergrove facilities were called BC. 
BC Tweed. One reason cited was the uptick in outdoor production, along with, of course, a very limited marketplace in which to sell the products. Canopy's departure from Delta still leaves many growers and producers very much active in that community, including Pure Sun Farms in Ladner, along with Agra Flora Organics and Rubicon Organics. Still, the unexpected loss of close to 500 jobs is never welcome news. Somewhere along the way, the regulators will be held accountable by an industry they've designed to fail. That will be a moment. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at some more later in the hour, too. But coming right up, John Carlson back with a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you've got your radio on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's always a pleasure to welcome John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, back to the program. Hello, John. Good afternoon. Great to be here. It's good to have you with us, and it's been quite a week in Canada, around the world, with all of the virus and all the rest of it going on, and the Bank of Canada and many other central banks around the planet this week surprised many of us with uh, an unexpected significant increase in interest rates, a half point the first time in 12 years they made that kind of move. Were you shocked by it or were you kind of waiting for it and expecting it? Well, I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I wasn't waiting for it either. I mean, I'm no expert when it comes to the coronavirus and all these sorts oh, sure. of things, but it's pretty clear that um, I think the feds want to make sure we have enough stimulus uh, to to ride out whatever's coming. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Angela on the program a little earlier and gave great information about that. Uh, and, you know, what I, th- what I see is a little bit more buying power on the part of the buyers, and yeah. that's going to affect the market a bit. Now, do you think, though, John, in, in terms of buying power, as we've got an adjustment to the stress test, as well as a reduction in interest rates at your corner bank, is that is it an automatic, John, that that extra buying power for some consumers who weren't in the game up until the changes, will that automatically mean an, uh, an increase in house prices? Is it, is it an axiom that one goes up, so does the other? It's not automatic, but it is a, a big factor for sure. Uh, for instance, if we had uh, rates drop, but the overall confidence in the market also dropped. I don't think that would that would result in in prices. But what I see now, uh, there's a you know inventory levels right now are a bit weak. Yes. We haven't had a whole lot of new listings. We had snow at the beginning of the year. We had a good finish to last year. Last year the overall numbers for listings was down because a lot of people kind of stayed away and waited to see what happened in the market. So what we're finding now is that certain segments, detached houses and affordable segments, uh, you know, all kinds of properties, we're seeing the buyers jumping out of the woodwork and hunting for inventory and competing for inventory that's somewhat limited. And that combined with uh, the lower interest rates will give those buyers who are inclined to compete with one another for the good listings, Mm -hmm. that'll give them a little bit more ammunition to go out there. So yes, the uh, interest rate drop will put more potential buying power in the pockets of, of buyers in Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley. Sure. Um, but I also think that the uh, the little bit of an imbalance right now in terms of low inventory and relatively high demand is going to balance itself out as the spring hits. I mean, we had snow at the beginning of the year, as I mentioned, these sorts of things um, that kind of delayed. And my feeling is, based on the people I'm talking to and the other agencies, is that we're going to have the inventory bloom soon. Right, okay. But overall, yeah, the, the extra buying power, let's face it, prices are high. Uh, 
um, a lot of consumers want to maximize their buying potential and get into the market and maybe instead of a one-bedroom condo, buy a two-bedroom or instead of a townhouse, a detached house. So <laughs> these, uh, the interest rates will definitely add um, uh, some, some upward sort of pressure to the market in terms of prices, but it's only after a prolonged period of time that that really starts to change pricing much. If, if the market balances out in another month and it's kind of, you know, balanced between, you know, inventory and buyers, we probably won't see that much. We'll see a healthy market. But if it were to carry on like years past where buyers gobble up inventory and there's never enough to go around, that sustained pressure is what generally pushes up prices. And I think that you have to have, you know, certain ratios for, I think, a minimum of six months before technically we're in a market where prices are going up. But hey, it is fuel to the fire for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those listings that you referenced just a few minutes ago, John. And you were saying, and it's, uh, you know, I've been redoing a little bit of homework this week in advance of our conversations, first with Angela and now with you, because there's a lot of numbers involved. And I'm just wondering that, because we've discussed this uh, on, on this program in the past, listings have been down in Metro Vancouver for the past while, as a lot of people just sitting on their hands, not quite ready to get back in the game and sell and move on and execute the game plan. So why? And I'm wondering particularly, John, if these changes, these recent changes, might affect how people think about listing their home, especially if they've been sitting on their hands for a while. I think it does. And, and that's a great question because I often have conversations with people, you know, maybe uh, in the fall or summer, but I don't end up working with them. They're not ready to sell until maybe the spring. So uh, when I talk to people now, um, I generally, you know, when it comes time to do an evaluation, I get called all the time. Hey, sure, John, I'm thinking of selling. I want to interview you to see if you're the right guy to sell my property. Uh, and I want an evaluation. And when I do an evaluation for a potential client, uh, you know, I don't give them a specific number and say, your house will sell for this number. Right, right. But I say, given, you know, what you offer the market, what your competition is and, and, you know, what the lay of the land is out there, I give them a range, maybe a sharp price to a price that's kind of at the top of the range. I try to bookmark it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And right now, I'm suggesting to most people that I meet, you know, given their circumstances, if they're not in a hurry, that we bump things up a little bit because I have seen multiple offers out in the market in certain segments. Uh, and whenever you see um, a, a new listing, let's say a detached house in Maple Ridge for 900000 for instance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you see that property sell within a week and it sells multiple offers and over list price, that to me tells me there's at least one other buyer out there looking for something similar. And why would you not try for a little bit more this time? So yeah, the, the the whole market, you know, uh, the tendencies of the market and what's going on out there, a good agent should know what the trends are. And those trends can help you uh, pick a strategy and be successful because let's face it, when people sell their home, they want to maximize the sale price and they want to keep as much money in their pocket as they can. In conversation with John Carlson from 2% West Coast Realty, the website, friends, is johnnysmartpoint.com. The smart point is a big part of what you do, Mr. Carlson. You advise and uh, counsel your clients to find the smart point. And you were talking moments ago about looking for maybe a little more dollars in terms of that listing price. Is, sure. And that's all about the smart point, isn't it? Well, yes. People, you know, I think this is a big decision for a lot of people. You put your house on the market. Maybe you've been in your house 20 or 30 oh, years. Sure. And it's not something you do every day. Or maybe you uh, sold a year ago. Regardless, people want to maximize it and people want to do it smart. And there's a lot of options out there uh, for consumers. Uh, there are companies you can hire them and they'll give you access to MLS and some signs and they'll back away. And as long as you 
put $1 buyer's agent commission on the listing, MLS will publish it and you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So there's one option. Mm -hmm. I don't personally do that because I don't uh, think that's uh, to the best uh, uh, you know, option for most people. Not much help in navigating the well, maze. There's a, there is there, John. Exactly. So back to the smart point, you know, I start with myself. I position myself as an agent where I save people money mm -hmm. compared to the vast majority of my competition. Of course, a 2% realty, you got a 2% commission, 1% for the buyer's side we offer out and 1% for the listing side. And, uh, you know, on, a, on, a, on that $900,000 house, for instance, if, if uh, you know, people are paying a commission of 7% of the first hundred and 2.5% of the balance, which is very common. Sure. Uh, you know, that, that comes to 27000 And right. I could do the same job for 18000 save you $9,000. That's cash after tax in your pocket. That's so right. what I want to do, starting with the smart point, is it starts with me. I need to position myself to make it easy. I want to make it like a no-brainer. If somebody's thinking about selling their home, they want a professional that's experienced and has got a good track record, but maybe they don't want to spend too much on commission. I mean, I'm your guy. Look into me. There are all kinds of business models out there, and I'm not necessarily the cheapest, mm -hmm. but the smart point also takes into account that this MLS system is a cooperative system. We need to offer some commission to the buyer's agent and perhaps negotiate that to make sure that buyers that come who are happy with their agents and want their agents to get paid a certain amount, that we are able to put a deal together without you know, kind of pricing yourself up. The starting point in negotiations is very important. Right. And um, and you also talk about defending your position. So A, you identify a position and then a strategy to defend it. That's right. So again, I position myself and my clients to save them money, but not cut corners to give them the full deal right. and make sure they're happy. Uh, but we also have to think about positioning and being able to defend your price on the market. Again, it goes into, you know, it goes into a, the study of what's going on in the market right now. Is there an oversupply of inventory? Is there, um, you know, is the inventory flying off the shelf? Um, what's your position as a seller? Do, do you, do you not want to move until the summer because your kids are still in school sure. or do you have to sell in 30 days or the bank's going to take over? You know, these are different, obviously different scenarios. So taking all that into account, your next most important thing really is your price. Um, there are prices that no property will sell at and every property is subject to the competition out there. It's kind of like a popularity contest. Absolutely. So, uh, I help people position for success and maximize the sale because again, there are prices there where you're giving your property away and you don't need any help to give something away. But there are maybe prices on some listings out there that will probably lead to them never selling because the buyers can always find something better for the same money or less. So pricing is important and your representation is important. How, how do you convince someone, John, and you, and you go through this a lot, you're a very, very busy realtor and have been for 24 years for crying out loud, when you go to someone's home uh, and enjoy a cup of black coffee yes. uh, at the kitchen table. Thank you very much. And they tell you that uh, we, we're very interested, we're keen to sell the house, uh, Mr. Carlson, and we, we've heard you on the radio, and you sound like the kind of person we'd like to have represent us. And here's our price. Right. And you go, oh my gosh, that's, that's a little beyond where I think this place is worth. Now, how do you handle that in order to not knock someone off their chair because they're kind of, they're kind of hanging on that number and yet it might be a little unrealistic. So how do you connect those dots? Well, I handle it with respect, first of all, knowing that the property belongs to the seller, of course. the homeowner. It's their money. They want to maximize it. I know where they're coming from. Uh, and I'm not a decision maker. I'm an advisor. So I have had situations where people have said, hey, John, you're my guy. I mm -hmm. know I want to work with you. Um, and here's the price. And I look at that price and I, I think that might be hard to attain or impossible right. to obtain. So in those sorts of situations, I generally just give 
these people information. Uh, I explain the market to them. Perhaps we pull out the most recent sales on their street or their area. I explain the concepts that buyers are comparison shoppers. And you'll probably never be able to convince a potential buyer to pay more than they think a property is worth. But you might be able to demonstrate why your property is worth what you're asking. And that's where defending your price comes in. Okay. But if you're in a situation where, you know, there are better alternatives for the same or less money, um, it makes it very hard. So my job, uh, you know, is to not just say, yeah, oh, great. Hey, sign here, sign this listing agreement, knowing full well that I'm probably going to be beating them down in price for the next, you know, three months. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good strategy. I would rather tell the truth up front, even if it means losing the listing and not getting the listing. And that doesn't mean throwing a rock bottom price on it, but kind of saying to a seller, hey, look, you know, every property has limitations. The reason you can't ask X amount of dollars is your square footage, your location, your age, your condition, these Mm -hmm. sorts of things. So there are always limiting factors. I try to point out those limiting factors and tell the truth as I understand it, because I think, you know, the best basis for for an ongoing business relationship or any relationship really is honesty uh, right off the bat. And if you're priced well, it doesn't mean you have to price to sell in two days. We mm-hmm. can have a strategy, so, and I might say X. It's not a fire might, sale, right? Well, and you might say, hey, let's try it 20000 higher, whatever it might be. And uh, my response would be, okay, you know, I'm not the market. I don't decide what homes sell for. But if it turns out that what I'm telling you is the case and the market's kind of giving us back that information, we need to have a plan to adjust if necessary. So... I tell the truth as I understand it at all times. That's part of being a good agent. And then uh, if I think there's a possibility of success, then I'm prepared to work with people if they want it. So my job, again, is to advise, to give good advice so that people can be empowered and they know when a good offer comes in. And my feeling is, uh, you know, especially if you're buying again, you need to know a reasonable price that your property is likely to sell for sure. because that's the basis of your, your uh, next, next purchase move. as well. Absolutely. And, and we were talking now in terms of representation on the part of sellers. When buyers come to you, and they certainly do, uh, do buyers typically say, well, we'd like you to help us find a home and they give you a price range? Is that the, the sort of start point? That's right. I A lot of the buyers I work for, because I do a lot of listings, are people I've already sold their homes and that's lovely. But I do also get calls from people who maybe have heard me here or had a friend that worked with me and say, you know, John, I just want good representation. And you're right. And this goes back to our earlier conversation about the interest rates and the buying power increasing. Mm -hmm. Generally, most, you know, typical young mom and pop or retirees, people, regular people selling their property, we're comparison shoppers. We have a budget and we go out and we find the best thing that suits us within that budget. So absolutely, buyers will say, hey, here's my approval rate. Here's where I feel comfortable. And, you know, if I have to, I can come up to here. And that sets a little bit of a, it gives me a, you know, uh, something to work with. Okay. So uh, in, in, this, in the case of buyers, uh, again, what they're looking for in many cases is first time uh, playing the game, John. And there's a lot of, a lot of new stuff to learn. Uh, and when, when they approach you, especially neophytes, brand newbies, yes. uh, how, do you, how do you get them started? Well, I like to meet with people face-to-face if I can. Um, And um, first of all, we talk about agency. And what I generally do is I offer to voluntarily step into the role of an agent. It's non-committal to the the potential client. But what it does, uh, when I step into that role, there's actually a form I fill out, and they don't have to sign it, but I do. By volunteering to step into the role of agency, I owe people the duties of confidentiality and full disclosure. So So then you can talk numbers. We can talk. We can talk numbers, and they can reveal their motivations to me and that sort of thing. Um, But generally, we, we look at financing. 
Are you approved? Is this all taken care of? Preparation. Uh, sometimes uh, people are very specific where they want to be. Other times it's a bit of a process, and we just talk about each step, and then we gently start working. How to begin that conversation? Well, here's the phone number, 604-612-0080. 604-612-0080. Lots more with John Carlson after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox in studio with John Carlson from 2% West Coast Realty talking about, well, lots of changes this week. My gosh, John, no shortage of news in, in the economy. And of course, in Vancouver and British Columbia, our economy and real estate are really impossibly intertwined, aren't they? They are. And you know, this is great because it always gives us something to talk about. We've been doing this a couple of years now, and there's always changes out there that, uh, that are worth discussing and that I think that the average consumer wants to know about. So so yeah, we've had a busy week again. The coronavirus maybe spurring uh, interest rate drops in the U.S. and Canada, and buying power uh, for home buyers increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a market that is, um, you know, definitely coming back from the doldrums of last year, and we're looking at, um, you know, forty percent increases uh, for February over last year in some segments in terms of volumes of sale. That's now right. those numbers were very low; they were, you know, twenty-year plus lows. But the feeling is that real estate is back. Um, I'm really predicting or uh, anticipating, I should say, a busy spring. Mm-hmm. It hasn't seemed to blossom yet, but I think that we're on the verge. So people that are that are looking to buy homes, they're suddenly looking at better interest rates. Their their uh, their purchase prices that they qualify have maybe gone up. It opens up options for them without any effect to their payments because it's just an interest rate drop. Right, uh, combined and, with a, a a tweak to the stress test to, exactly. to the advantage of the buyer. That's right. And one thing I like about these changes, um, and this kind of relates to another story that was in the press this last week, that some of these higher-end investment-driven, foreign investment-driven markets, high-end properties, they're suffering still. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is by design. You know, the provincial government introduced a lot of uh, taxes and penalties to foreign buyers and that sort of thing, So, and and vacant properties. So those properties are not really, and they don't need stimulus, uh, you know, from most British Columbians' point of view. Those properties are, are, are not benefiting. But if you are selling your townhouse or your house, you know, maybe equity was a problem. Maybe you bought three years ago in the heat of the market, and now you're, and then last year you looked at it and said, "Oh, gee, man, we don't really have the equity to make that move that we want to do to get the bigger property." Sure. Well, suddenly interest rates are lower. Your buying, uh, your purchasing ability has gone up in terms of price, and the market has responded, and buyers are jumping in, and and in some cases paying more than they did last fall. So I like the fact that the stress test has eased a little bit because that benefits. All of us, the young, the the old, the the just the, the people that want a house to live in or mm. a property to live in, um, but it's still not really affecting those higher end investment type uh, foreign buyer type properties that uh, that everybody thought were getting too sky high. So this is something that benefits the average consumer, sure. the average buyer, and uh, we're going to wait and see how that folds out among some of the other changes in the next couple of months. But oh. I think it's going to be a very good spring market. And you and I, you mentioned a few moments ago, you and I have been doing this on CKNW for a couple of years now, and I recall it rather uh, glum John Carlson about oh one year ago right now was I that bad no no you weren't too (laughs) bad at all but you weren't the happiest guy in the world because spring and you've uh, driven uh, drilled this into our heads enough over the last couple of years spring is typically in the world of real estate the busiest time of the year full stop and last spring simply was not terribly busy that's right Uh, but we got through it and here we are a spring later it's still not crazy busy but it's 
busier and you're expecting it uh, the activity level to simply just go up from here yeah that's you know last year uh, i hope it didn't show too much but i wasn't as uh, up upbeat about the market and i knew there were some changes and i was you know curious and concerned how that might play out uh, having said that you know real estate in greater vancouver fraser valley is a monster and i had no uh, visions of the market bubble bursting or anything like that but there were some concerns where is this thing going to go this year I have no concerns about the market. Um, I think that uh, buyers and sellers are both going to enjoy a market where there's a lot of inventory and there's good rates and people can go out and make a good decision. So, yeah, you're right. I feel a lot better about the market this year. Uh, And um, I think that as this spring plays its way out, buyers and sellers are going to find, hey, I can sell my property, I can get a good price for it, and I can qualify for the mortgage to put me in the next home. And to me, that's just the sweet spot. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And of course, since uh, a year ago, when things were a little quieter, uh, the web address has changed too. It's now johnnysmartpoint.com. Right. Uh, and from the website, let me just quote very briefly. Uh, we The only discount you get with 2% Realty West Coast is keeping more of your investment for the important things in life. Technology and homes have evolved. Why haven't commissions? A fairly reasonable question to put to the viewer, uh, and I would imagine that remains one of the most attractive aspects of the business model, but still begs the question from lots of people over that cup of coffee, if I'm paying less, how much less do I get as a result of that? That's right. I get that question sometimes, and it's nice because people may call me, and I've heard a lot of people say, uh, you know, John, I've listened to you on the radio or you sold my, my uncle's house or I've been referred by a good friend or family member. And so I think you're a guy that knows what he's doing and I can trust you. And, you know, I might save some money with you and that's great. But really, you know, so it's a big, big compliment when people say they want to work with me regardless of commission savings. Right. But the truth of the matter is I do save people significant money in commissions compared to most of my competition. So, uh, you know, people wonder, hey, John, if you're not charging as much as the guy I talked to before, what are we giving up? And uh, really, that's the reason I'm out here. I'm letting people know that as consumers, you're empowered. There are all kinds of business models out there for you to look at. I call myself Johnny Smartpoint because I've been in this business 23, 23 24 years, right. 1,000 plus homes. Mm-hmm. And I know what I would do if I was selling a property. And that's where I've positioned myself. I save people money, but I don't cut corners. I mean, you'll see me. I've got an open house I'm going to announce for tomorrow. Oh, good. We okay. do our 3D tours. We do, you know, we market a property. Uh, and when I say me, I mean myself, my photographers, my, you know, all my, my marketers and that sort of thing. Uh, we don't cut any corners. So that's why I think it's a smart point. I just like it to, to make it a no-brainer for people. Somebody's going to say, I'm thinking of selling in the next month. I need a good agent. Uh, commissions, you know, I'd rather not spend more than I have to. What's the smart thing to do? Well, I think the smart thing to do might be to go to my website or give me a call. Yeah, you know, again, I'm quoting from your website. Buyers don't care whose name is on the lawn sign or whose smiling face is beside the realtor.ca listing. Buyers only care about whether the property they are considering purchasing fits their criteria and their budget. This is intuitively obvious. Correct. Yes. So um, how come so many sellers seem to have difficulty digesting that painfully obvious point? Well, I think that uh, real estate uh, services and commission structures in Greater Vancouver have uh, been the way they are for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm often surprised when, uh, you know, I maybe I, I enlist a, a condo or a townhouse and it's a successful sale and then I just assume the next person that sells in that building is going to call me. But that doesn't always happen. 
because there's a lot of agents out there and sure. people know their uncle or somebody else. And there's a lot of agents and there are a lot of different viewpoints. There's a lot of great agents out there. I'm not the only good agent in Greater Vancouver. There's lots of good agents. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't suggest for a minute that somebody should um, uh, pick the agent with the lowest commission structure. I mean, that could potentially n- not go well for you. Um, what I would do is I would look for someone with a good track record and who, uh, you know, is going to give you good value. And again, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And experience is, is 24 years, over a thousand homes sold, uh, worked with various companies, and, and now you have your own. So it's all the best of both, both worlds. And I think the most important part, John, is the 24 years. The fact that you've seen the highs and the lows Several times in 24 years in this market? Come on, it always happens. This is not a static market. Never has been. And on that note, John Carlson, what's hot and what's not? Where are the hot properties uh, or the hot pockets of activity around the lower mainland these days? You know, that's a good question. Um, What I'm finding, looking at the stats, but also, um, you know, just being out there day to day, Here's a couple things that I think are hot. Detached homes in what I'll call the affordable segment, under a million and a half, let's say. You've got Maple Ridge, you've got Mission, uh, you've got Tri-Cities, Coquitlamport, Coquitlamport, Moody, Surrey, and Langley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Detached houses in these segments, they really kind of you know uh, suffered when the market was poor. And now uh, I find they're on the rebound. I've seen several multiple offer situations on well-priced detached homes in these areas. Uh, strata properties, again, their affordability. So a good uh, condo or townhome in Tri cities again, similar areas. Uh, condos under say five or six hundred thousand are super hot. Uh, townhomes, newer developments. I mean, of course, we talked about the condo uh, uh, insurance sure. issue going. So you want to make sure you look at a good building that's got everything taken care of. And it seems that because we and many others have been talking about this whole condo insurance aspect for the last few weeks, it's been all over the newspapers and so on. It seems that the pressure has been brought to bear on the insurance industry to the point, John, where they're a little more willing to be reciprocating in terms of doing business and seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Well, there are solutions that need to be found and they need to be found quickly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm watching this on a daily basis and, uh, you know, so far I'm still on a wait and see, but I'm encouraged that some of these things may resolve. Now, having said that, there are buildings with you know, poor histories and mm-hmm. a lot of maintenance and maybe a lot of insurance claims. And these are going to be buildings that are going to be continue, going to continue to be tough to finance and get, uh, to get insurance on. But I see this working its way through. But that's all part of navigating the maze, isn't it? Especially if you're a first time buyer and the maze really is just, uh, it's just, uh, it's so obscured. You can't even see the entrance. Right. So, uh, navigating the maze with this, uh, I mean, even knowing what questions to ask right. when you go to view a con that you might want to buy. You know, how much does it cost? Sure, whatever. But there are additional insurance-related questions that need to be pointedly asked during that uh, walkthrough. Yes. Well, yes. And, uh, you know, there's an old saying that you don't make money in real estate when you sell, you make it when you buy. And there's a lot of truth in that. You want to make sure you buy well, especially a first-time buyer. I I can recall early in my career, because I'm going back a ways now, but the leaky condo crisis. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, young families that bought a condo and got stuck there for 10 years and, you know, had three or four kids in a two-bedroom condo. I'm exaggerating a bit, but you got to be careful where you're putting your money. Any investment that's a major investment, you want to do it carefully. And again, that's maybe where my experience comes in uh, as a guide and a help for people looking to buy or sell. 
I'm looking at uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, and at the bottom of the homepage, there's always some listings, some new listings, and then you can click on the button to see all listings. Uh, any new stuff to tell us about this weekend on the radio, John? I do, actually. And, uh, and you know, there may be, I'm having a new website designed, so it, there may be, if you have an issue with it this coming week, just come back. It'll be on it again in an hour, but I'm making some changes. But I do have some. I want to announce a new listing, and this is an open house tomorrow on Sunday. It's in Maple Ridge. The address is 21724. For Donovan Avenue. If you go on MLS, you'll you'll see it there. This is an awesome listing. Um, the list price is eight fifty nine nine. It's a three level split. It's uh, four bedrooms, three baths. It's about eighteen fifty square feet. The lot is almost a quarter acre, mm. seventy by one hundred and forty. Big beautiful house. Um, it's highly renovated, new two hundred lamp electrical service, new plumbing, new kitchen, new flooring. It's it's really nicely renovated. And the good thing is this house wasn't renovated to sell. The family just had a job situation change and they're moving out of province, but they renovated it. They to renovated stay. it for themselves. It's a beautiful house. Come right, and see right. it. Two one seven two four Donovan Avenue, Sunday one to four. Um, and I've got another new listing that I think the the buyer might be listening right now. Um, it's about to hit MLS on Monday. This is a fifty five and over age restricted townhouse in Surrey. Um, it is a one-level rancher style. It's an end unit. It backs onto a private green space with the patio. It's two bedrooms, two baths, open plan, three ninety nine nine. Oh, my. So not for everybody. You got to be 55 or over right. because it's, a, it's an adult-oriented community. But these things are kind of hard to find, and especially under the $400,000 range. Now, it's still got the original oak cabinets. It's still got, you know, the, the original sort of fixtures. So somebody could spruce it up with a little bit of paint and, and here and there, and it would be amazing. But that's a good one. It's not yet published. You'll have to call me or go to my website or call me direct on my cell phone. I'm happy to give you the information, but that's a hot one too. Well, let me give you the phone number. And, and I know John is making some changes with his webmaster to uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. But even now, uh, the phone number is readily available all over the website. It's 604-612-0080. And you can reach John there. And uh, all sorts of listings available on the homepage as well, including the Donovan Avenue Maple Ridge home that John was just talking about. It's a nice two-tone blue. Yes. <laughs> nice picture. Uh, so listen, let's, uh, that's very, we've got a couple of seconds left. And were there any other, uh, you, the open house, you were going to do that? Yeah, that's to, the open house uh, on Donovan. In Maple Ridge. Yeah, okay. In Maple Ridge. And I just, to listeners out there, as you mentioned, I like to be busy. I'm happy when I'm busy. I have some time. So um, the market is not so busy that I don't have time for you. If you're looking at selling, you want a good agent, look me up and give me a call. All right, 604 612 0080. Again, 604 612 0080. Pop over to the website. It's still very approachable. JohnnySmartPoint.com. You can click on the green button right there on the homepage and request a free market evaluation and get that coffee meeting started. John Carlson, thank you for this. We'll catch up to you in a few weeks. Sounds good. See you then. And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another very helpful visit. Next week, the world-class dentist from B.C. Perio returned to take your calls and keep us all up to speed on the fast-paced world of modern dentistry. Time now for Ask Andrew, in which producer Andrew Ferreira has a look at some items in the news. And today, uh, Andrew, it's about awards for government waste. Who wants to win one of those? And did somebody in B.C. scoop a prize? 
I don't think anybody wants to win those. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be honest. The Acadian Taxpayers Federation on a Thursday put out their list of annual Teddy Waste Awards winner. And these these are uh, the worst in government waste uncovered over the past calendar year. Okay. Uh, so the winner went to Global Affairs Canada's Mission Cultural Fund. Uh, they spent $11.2 million out of a $4.5 million budget. So they more than doubled their budget expenditure. Uh and it was a program which included a program that flied sh- that flew chefs around the world to cook at various Canadian diplomatic missions. Oh. Uh, a seventeen thousand uh, dollar flight to to in uh, to New Delhi. There was a fifteen thousand dollar expense to Dominican to the Dominican Republic over the last three years. So. Uh, probably not the best look to overspend on something like that Well, if you're the chef of course you're not minding this one little bit Uh, traveling on the taxpayers dime to exotic foreign capitals not bad absolutely not uh locally we got two nominees the city of victoria was nominated for spending fifty one hundred dollars and fifty cents sorry five thousand one hundred and fifty dollars on a stainless steel ping pong table oh boy (laughs) and uh the city of vancouver i was nominated for spending 200 grand uh, to paint those, you know, those large red rectangles in front of five bus stops, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Beeline and the Rapid bus stops. Yeah, two hundred grand. So for those five, each one of those is what, uh, forty grand or fifty grand each for each red rectangle. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of money for those uh, rectangles. That's finding a way to do it most expensively, isn't it? And don't get me wrong, I love those rectangles. I think they're, I think they're excellent. But surely we can do better than that. If you have something for Andrew and you'd like him to answer one of your questions, uh, tweet us at Van Consumer, or you can shoot me an email, Sterling at cknw.com. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Travel, vacation, and timeshare scams took the number one spot in the Better Business Bureau's top ten riskiest scams for last year. The BBB says victims lost an average of five grand to scammers, with consumers reporting bogus businesses tricking them into paying exorbitant closing fees on fraudulent timeshare resales, or tempting consumers with travel packages with unrealistically low prices. The advance fee loan was the second riskiest scam, with an average loss of 1500 bucks a person. In Canada, it's illegal for companies doing business by phone to promise a loan and ask for payment before they deliver. The BBB says romance scams and cryptocurrency scams were the third and fourth riskiest, with a per-person average dollar loss of 4000 and 3500 respectively. People who were single, widowed, or divorced were more likely to fall for romance scams because there was a feeling of loneliness that a lot of those victims shared in their reports with us, says the Better Business Bureau, who recommends consumers do our homework. Quote, if you're uncertain about an investment opportunity, about an item you want want to purchase, or maybe about a business you're doing a transaction with, ask us at the Better Business Bureau. Ask a friend. That second opinion is usually a very good way to get that final feedback before you decide to make the big step. According to the Better Business Bureau, in 2019, women were more, slightly more likely to lose money to scammers. But men lost significantly more money, with over $600 averaging for men when compared to just over $200 for women. The Better Business Bureau operates and has been in operation for many years for a good reason. Check out their website, get to know them, so when there is that doubt, 
you have someone to go to for a second opinion. And that is our program for this weekend, produced by Andrew Ferreira. Uh, You can catch us on a podcast wherever you go to get your favorite podcasts anytime you like. And in the meantime, we invite you to join us again next Saturday at 2 for another episode of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.